Hello and welcome to the Hot Copy Podcast, a podcast for copywriters all about copywriting. Today I'm talking to Pamela Wilson, award-winning graphic designer, creator of Big Brand System, former executive VP at Rainmaker Digital and author of Master Content Marketing Book. Now, many people may know Pamela as a writer. I certainly did when I met her, but she hasn't always been a writer. Today we're going to talk about falling into a career, imposter syndrome and some content marketing essentials you simply cannot miss. My name is Belinda Weaver. I'm a copywriter. My business is Copyright Matters and I'm the creator of the Copywriting Masterclass course. Now, I'm on my own today. Apart from Pamela, dear listeners, you won't be hearing Kate's dulcet tones, the birds in her yard or naked lawn mowing man, but you will get to hear our guest, Pamela. Now, I mentioned in the intro, Pamela's an award-winning graphic designer and a marketer. Through her business, Big Brand System, she has helped businesses of all sizes create profitable, unforgettable online businesses. She would exe- She was Executive VP of Educational Content for Copyblogger and Rainmaker Digital. She's a keynote speaker and now she's added author to that list with a new book on content marketing. Welcome to the show, Pamela. We've had this chat on the cards for a long time. We have, Belinda, and I, I'm just getting over my my deep disappointment at missing Naked Lawn Mowing Man. Oh, I yeah. can't believe I'm missing that. <laughs> I'll, we'll, I'll fill you in on the story after we finish the recording, but long-time listeners will definitely know Naked Lawn Mowing Man. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, so I've actually known you as a creator of perceptive and actionable marketing content for a long time. That's kind of how I got to know you. Um, and I was actually surprised to learn that that always wasn't your thing. So can you tell our listeners how you went from graphic designer to content creator and now to author of a book? Mm. It's been such an interesting journey. I I started out on the visual side of marketing at the very beginning of my career, and I did that for decades. If I needed any kind of words, what I would do is go and hire someone like you or like your listeners. I would hire a copywriter. And I think that All of those years of just hiring out that service convinced me that this was something that was not in my skill (laughs) set. So I started an online business in 2010, and I knew that I wanted to use content marketing in that business. So it was kind of like, okay, well, I can't hire someone to write my blog. I have to figure out how to do this myself. So I started to pay attention to how content marketing is done. I found Copyblogger. That was how I found Copyblogger because I went on a search for information about content marketing. And of course, they were the first site that popped up. And then what I ended up doing is I just wrote a lot, which is how we learn anything. We just do it. Um, yeah. You know, the repetition and the practice makes us better. So one of the things that I wanted to do in the book that I wrote is I I wanted to capture the process that I went through to go from really someone who felt very little confidence about my writing to someone who felt a lot of confidence and who felt like, you know, I have an idea and I can express it in words. I felt very confident about that after a few years of doing it. And I kind of leaned on these different tricks and tips and techniques and approaches and I wanted to capture all of that so that other people could benefit from it as well. That's awesome. I like the fact that you use the resources that were available to 
learn. Um, and then you just practiced. I say just, it's not as simple as that. A lot of my students right. and I know Kate's um, members in her community sort of go, oh, I don't, I don't want to start a blog because I, I don't know if I've got anything to say and why would anyone read it? Um, but we always say to them, when you start blogging, no one's reading it. So it's actually the perfect way to start practicing your writing because the more you write, the better you get. It's so true. It's funny. I have an analogy in the book about how when you're setting up your first website, you're it's almost like you're backstage at a theater. So you're very nervous about doing this, very nervous about who's going to see your site once you make it live. And then you throw open the curtains and there's no one sitting in the auditorium. Yes. <laughs> or, or maybe, you know, a couple of family members and they're like slow, slow clapping, right? Slow <laughs> clapping for you. Yay. Good for you. No one is watching at the beginning and that can be very frustrating, but it can also be really amazing because you can learn in public without a lot of people watching. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I using that almost the exact same analogy. It's like practicing a speech to an empty room. You just get better and better at it. So with that kind of practicing, I think a lot of the things Kate and I hear is not only maybe I'm not confident in my writing skill, but I don't necessarily have ideas like all the people I'm reading online. So did you ever have maybe imposter syndrome about being a writer and about being a thought leader in big gusty air quotes or did that always kind of feel quite natural? Oh, no, it didn't. I mean, I don't think it feels natural now to tell you the truth. (laughs) I mean, what's a thought leader? It seems incredibly pretentious to call yourself a thought leader. But anyway, um, I, I think the way that you overcome that feeling of imposter syndrome is by doing. You just do it. And that way you prove to yourself that you are capable of it because you're doing it. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes is from Vincent van Gogh, um, who, as we all know, is one of the most amazing painters in history. But he was very... Um, he he lacked a lot of confidence in his abilities when he was alive. So this quote says, if you hear a voice within you say, you cannot paint, then by all means paint, and that voice will be silenced. Absolutely. I love that quote. Yeah. I love that quote. And I mean, you could substitute writing in there. If you hear a voice within you say, you can't write, then by all means, write, and that voice will be silenced. Yeah, I love that quote as well. And, you know, I think part of this as well is not really focusing on what other people are doing. Focus on what you're doing. Absolutely. Get Absolutely. on and write. I like it. Mm-hmm. So when you sit down to write, like whether it's writing your blog or, you know, writing something for your website or writing your book, for example, do you have any writing rituals that you kind of follow? I am a big believer in we we respond best when we have these environmental prompts that help us to get into the zone of doing any kind of creative work. So um, I think when you have like a, a physical environment that supports your work that you feel good in, that is going to help you to do your best work. So I have a chair that I do a lot of my writing in. So I sit in that chair. It has a little side table. It's a very comfortable place for me to work off of my computer. Um, so there are rituals around that. And I 
kind of think of it as my writing chair. I mean, I wrote most of my books sitting in that chair. So I would say there are definitely rituals around that. And then just, I mean, for me, a lot of my writing starts as a mind map. So when I break out the mind map and start thinking through things and reorganizing my thoughts, that also tells my brain that it's time to write. Awesome. I'm yet to kind of dig into mind maps. I know they're an incredibly useful tool, but it's not something I've used very much. I should look it's at- funny. I used to think they were ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> mind maps and spreadsheets. I was like, oh, I, my brain just doesn't work that way, you know. Um, but it's precisely because my thoughts don't, I don't think anyone's do. They don't tend to come to me in, in a linear fashion. They're just mm. kind of scattered all over. And the great thing about mind maps is you can just kind of capture all your thoughts and then you can start moving them around until they make some kind of logical order and, and your argument is developed um, in a way that that seems logical and is understandable and all of that. So... I do love them now. I did not used to love them at all. I like the um, the idea of putting that thought planning into the um, the writing before you actually, I was, was going to say pick up a pen, but who does that anymore? Um, but before <laughs> right. you actually hit the keyboard, because um, I sometimes fall into the trap of, and I know a lot of other people do this, is just kind of starting to write. And what you get is this stream of consciousness, but it's not coherent and you can get off track and you can waffle and, and it makes the editing a lot harder. I think. Well, honestly, that. Belinda, you can probably get away with that. <laughs> I think people, people who are professional writers can probably get away with that. People like me who come at it as an amateur, frankly, I have to create some kind of a structure that I can hang my words on. So I talk about this in the book that you you create some kind of a backbone that you're going to hang your words on. So I tend to write a headline. I tend to figure out my subheads and and just have some kind of structure before I actually start to write or else I end up just down all these rabbit holes and I don't have anything that's coherent. You, on the other hand, you can probably get away with it. <laughs> I'm not so sure about that, but I'll, I'll thank you for the compliment. I appreciate that. So now we're talking about the book. I'd like to dig into it into a little more detail, actually. It's called Master Content Marketing, A Simple Strategy to Cure the Blank Page Blues and Attract a Profitable Audience. Firstly, um, we know how important headlines are. How long did it take you to write that headline? It's interesting about that headline because it, it happened over time. Like any good creative work, it kind of happened over time. So it was going to be something completely different, but what I ended up doing was testing. So I used a service called Pick Foo, which when you spell it out, it sounds terrible. Pick F-U. <laughs> so, nice. But that's how it is. Pick um, I I tested the book title, and then once I nailed down the book title, I tested cover art. And I really followed what, you know, the comments that people were giving me. So my original title, you know, it was like the content mentor and everybody thought that sounded preachy. Mm. And then I had something about, in, in the book, I talk about the lazy approach to content marketing, which always gets a big reaction from people. But when I put it up on this testing service, 
people were like, I would never buy a book that called me lazy and all that. So I, you know, I looked at all of that and you have to kind of set your ego aside and just see how people respond to what you put out there. And fortunately, that service exists so that you can get that kind of feedback. So we'll include a link to that in the show notes. Yeah, that's a great idea. It is a really, it's not super expensive. You do have to spend a little money, but because the people who um, take these polls are compensated for taking the polls. So, um, but it's really interesting to just not only see the results, but then read the comments that people give you. And um, I, I did it like a competition. So I think I had like eight ideas and then I got it down to four ideas and then I got it down to two ideas and then I had the final winner. That's awesome. And it's an interesting thing you said, put your ego aside because sometimes we're like, I've been doing this for a while. I've written a headline or two. I think I know what people will respond to. And it's really interesting when you get that like, oh, okay, that that's not what actually people would buy. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Totally, totally. And you really do. You just have to take yourself out of it because in the end, you are going to put this up in a place like Amazon where it's competing with tens of thousands of other books. So it needs to hold up. It needs to hold up in front of a lot of people. And all of those people are going to be voting with their wallets. So you have to have a title that they respond to. Kind of important. Kind of important. Yeah. So if you could give us a quick, who's this book for and what do you cover? You've already already given us a few little previews of, of the things that you're talking about, but who is this book for? It's really, it's probably not for your readers, to tell you the truth, because they're all writers, right? But it is for people who feel very intimidated by the whole idea of content marketing. So people like the person I was back in 2010, where I had this, you know, it just felt like this mountain that I was going to climb, all these blank um, open posts on my blog that I needed to fill with content Mm -hmm that was engaging, that was interesting, that helped to push forward my business, you know, and get it closer to its goals. And I just, you know, I had no idea, no idea how to do it. So it's really for those people, it gives people a basic structure for content. So they have kind of best practices for headlines, best practices for subheads, best practices around formatting, around writing calls to action, all of that, all of the different elements of a good, strong piece of content are outlined in this book. And then there's a lot about mindset and setting up your environment so it supports you. And um, and then also, I mean, one of the biggest concepts, and this is where the whole lazy thing came in, is this idea that you... I I really encourage people not to sit down and try to write a piece of content in one marathon session Mm. that's three or four or five hours long. And that comes from really all of my years of doing creative work where I just found over, you know, between design work and visual artwork that I've created, every creative piece of work seems to get better if you put it aside for a while and then you come back to it. Absolutely. And writing is no exception. Yep. So I have this system basically where people work on it a little bit over four days. So there's no, you don't have to find five hours in your schedule, which no one has. You just carve out a little bit of time over four days and tackle different aspects of your piece of content. 
And I found that was the single thing that I did. And, you know, the single thing I kind of changed about my approach to content marketing that made the biggest difference. That's awesome because, yeah, I'm a slow thinker. So I need to put things aside and I need to let uh, my brain kind of simmer away at an idea and the, the writing and, and I need to come back to it. So I like that kind of piecemeal fashion because whatever gets you to a better result and how you work. Exactly. No, and there's also, there's that idea of fresh eyes, right? Yeah. So it's difficult to see where the holes are in your in your writing if you've just been staring at it for too long, yeah. you know? And I found that with my design work at all, as well, if I had been going at it for too long, I just, it's like you have this sensation, like something isn't quite right, but I can't see it. I just can't see it. I don't know what it is. So you step away, you go off, live the rest of your life and do what you have to do. And you come back to it 24 hours later and boom, you can see immediately what's missing. It's its just amazing how fresh eyes can really become like a, almost like a built-in editor that you have that you can put to work on your piece of content. Absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned in, in the book, you, you cover a lot of writing techniques that you said our uh, listeners um, will know. But, you know, I will comment on that, that you can always pick up something new. So it's always worth reading. I think well, I'm still reading blogs on calls to action and how to write great headlines because you never know where a little bit of inspiration is going to come from. And, That's true. And, you know, the other part where you said you're talking about structure and process, a lot of our listeners um, and ourselves were always refining how we do business. And I know Kate and I get questions like, why would I even bother to start a blog? It's already been written before. I have nothing original to say. These are things that I think other business owners say too when they're thinking about how to promote themselves through content. So, you know, a lot of our listeners are having that same kind of sense of anxiety of how do I get my content out there and how do I get it to stand out to clients when everyone else is doing it? So, like, is it worth starting a blog these days? Mm. You know, it, it, I am asked that a lot, as you can imagine. So my answer to that is that there is a ton of mediocre content, mediocre to bad content mm. out there, um, but really, really great, well-structured, engaging content that is also useful. I feel like that still stands out like a beacon because there, there's so much that is just not good. And the good news is your listeners and your students have the chops to make that happen. Yeah. You know, they have what it takes to create that kind of beacon content. It's kind of like, you know, there are a lot of mediocre restaurants that you can go to, places that have very uninspiring food. They don't have good customer service. They don't have good ambiance. They, they're kind of, you know, boring. But then every so often you find this restaurant that just gets it all right. They have delicious food. It's original. They have amazing service. They have amazing ambiance. And they have lines out the door. Yes. <laughs> so that I feel the same way about content, that if you aspire to create something truly amazing, something that rises above everything else out there, you won't have any problems sticking out. You, I, I mean, sticking out in a good yeah. way, yeah. right? You can't let the fact that there's competition stop you from aspiring to that level. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And it's 
you're saying like aspiring to create something better, just put more effort into it. And I think something that comes up a lot in in chats within our respective communities is, is we kind of realise how much terrible content is out there and how many terrible businesses are out there. And so if you almost if you're just not crap, sometimes you can be better than everyone else to start with. So if you then aspire to be better than that by putting a bit of extra effort into it, then you can't help but stand out. I think that's, I think that's a great, um, great thought to leave everyone with if they're hesitating about creating content. Um, where do you think podcasts fit into this? Is I think that kind of podcasting is the new blogging in a way. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I agree with that. I think there's room for both. Honestly, I, um, podcasting is it's an amaz- amazing way to kind of build engagement because. People feel very connected with you. They're hearing your voice. Your your voice is literally in their heads, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Um, they can hear your inflection. They get to know a little bit more about your personality. So I think it meets a need. And it, it's also podcasts are consumed at a different moment of the day than written content. So a time of the day when I might write read content is a different time of day than when I might listen to a podcast. So I think that there is space for both. I really do. Um, Podcasts can really build community and build engagement. Written content is really amazing because it's right on your website. So you don't have to do anything to pull people to your site because they are on it right then. So you know, it has that advantage as well. So, and there are, you know, you can do things like click here to download or opt into my email list when they're reading your written content. So I think there's space for both, honestly. And I, you're doing both, right? Because you have the podcast, but you have written content as well. And I mean, if you have bandwidth to do both, that is fantastic. Trying to get people on all channels, there's no escape. (laughs) Right, that's right. That's right. So, where do you think many businesses are failing at content marketing? I think part of it is just that they don't have an overarching strategy for the content that they're creating. So people, you know, read a lot about content marketing and they end up doing the, you know, let's throw the pasta at the wall and see what sticks technique, right? Um, So they try this, they try that, they try this kind of headline, this kind of content structure. And what ends up happening is their readers have kind of a diluted perception of their brand and of their um, content strategy because it's not consistent. So that's actually, I'm writing a book right now. It's, I, I wrote a little book in between, a little mini book that I published in January. So this is actually book three. But it's about content strategy and how to keep it all on track because that is the number one question that people ask me is, okay, master content marketing, it was great. I feel a lot more confident about creating my content now. What should I write about, yeah. though? <laughs> so the working title, and I have yet to test this, but the working title is What to Write Next because that's that's the big question. You know, what should I what should I write about? What should my content be about? So it's going to be about how to come up with ideas, how to store those ideas, how to always have a place, you know, an, a place where you can get inspired about what to write, but then also how to have a strategy 
to your content. So you're not just random. You're not just being random about the content that you write. Yeah, that's excellent. Um, I was listening to Joanna Weeb talk the other day and she was talking about having a uh, a USP for your blog. So a unique selling proposition for your blog that you need to have purpose and you need to say, this is what my content is about and this is who it's for and this is what it is going to achieve. And I think that's really important. Like you have to have that sense of purpose and strategy. Otherwise, it's just a really diluted um, bit of wishy-wash, right? Absolutely. And I would add, um, Joanna Weeb is, is so smart and I'm hoping she doesn't mind if I add one thing. So I would add this is who it's for. This is the community that I that this blog is serving. And this is who we are in this community. So this is what we believe. This is what we're aspiring to. So that you create a sense of community with your readers around that USP. Yeah, absolutely. Does that yeah, make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, it's it's something you can check against when you go to hit publish is this in with my strategy does this fit with my audience so you know and Mm -hmm. I've been blogging for a long time now and it made me stop and go oh I'm not sure I've revisited mine in a while so that's actually something on my Mm -hmm. list to do is is revisit my strategy and my purpose so at the, we're at the end here and I will include a link uh, to Amazon to Master Content Marketing, A Simple Strategy to Cure the Blank Page page Blues and Attract a Profitable Audience. And I will be keeping an eye out for your next book. I love the way you described yourself as an amateur author, uh, an amateur writer with three books under your belt. <laughs> <laughs> so humble. I don't let the fact that I'm amateur stop me from publishing books. I hope that's an inspiration to people. That's all I can say. It is. So I wondered if you can leave us with one action you'd recommend our listeners really must take with their content marketing, whether they've started or not. Mm. You know, I, what I'm going to do is very briefly cover this four-day system, this lazy oh, system perfect. that we alluded to earlier. I'd love to just tell people what the components are because if they want to try it, I want them to have what they need in order to try it. So basically, four days. Day one, you create some kind of a framework that um, is what you'll hang your words on, right? So you write a headline, you write your subheads, and that becomes like an outline. But we won't call it an outline because we all have post-traumatic stress disorder, you know, from outlining things in English yes. class. So we'll just call it a backbone or a framework. But the purpose of day one is to create some kind of a framework. And then day two is all about that first draft. So it's all about writing a messy first draft. You don't need to go back and polish anything on day two because you have a whole day that's devoted to editing. So day two is just write the first draft. It shouldn't take you long. You want to just get in there, get it done, and then walk away and go around, go go about the rest of your business that day. Day three is all about editing and pub- polishing it and getting it ready to publish. So that includes editing and proofreading, but it also includes things like formatting it so it's very readable, um, adding an image so it's uh, inviting, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you've got your visual content marketing working as well. And then day four is all about publishing it and promoting it. So getting behind that content you worked so hard to create 
and making sure it gets into the hands of the people that need to read it. So it's it's a four-day process, but it doesn't take four full days, yeah. obviously. It's really about chipping away at it a little bit over four days. And, you know, in the end, you're not spending more time on your content creation. You're just being a little bit more strategic about it. And you're coming back to it with fresh eyes, which will make your content better, guaranteed. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. And I like the the fact that you included a day for promotion because, you know, I, there might also be, dare I say, another day where you revisit promotion and re-promote old content. Yeah, absolutely. Well, when I, when I really teach this, <laughs> I talk about um, kind of the frequency of promotion. So I recommend that people you know, give it a really good push on the first day of publication and maybe the next day. And then over the first week after it's been published, you want to promote it a little bit more heavily. Um, And then you want to put it into rotation. What I say, put it into rotation. So put it into rotation so that it's popping up every couple of weeks and people are seeing that piece of content and they don't forget about it. Because of course, if you only promote it once, you're relying on all of your readers and potential customers being online in that social media channel at that exact moment. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> not going to happen. Which is not a good strategy. <laughs> that never happens. Yeah, cool. that never happens. You have to you have to promote it to the point that you feel like you're almost nagging. And that's usually right around the point that you feel like you're nagging people. That's usually when you're promoting it at just about the right frequency. So Awesome. They're really great tips. Well, thank you for sharing that that four-day strategy. And people can obviously dig into that a bit more in in your book. So um, we'll end it there, but I'd like to know what's what's happening for you now? What's happening next for Pamela Wilson? Yeah, I've got lots of interesting things going. So I created this product called the Image Lab, and the Image Lab is about visual content marketing training. So what I found is that a lot of people wanted to add images, they wanted to create branded images around their content, but they didn't really know how to do it. Um, And there are a lot of tools out there that put the power into the hands of people who don't feel like they're designers, just like I didn't feel like I was a writer. I think that's me. There are certain, yeah, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people, so But it is a teachable topic. That's the thing. So I created this course. I launched it in June. I filled it right up with people. And I'm going to be, that was kind of an internal launch to my own audience. And then in the coming months, I'm going to be launching it publicly to lots more people. So the Image Lab, I'm working on the third book. I also have these uh, master content marketing intensives planned. So I gave a live workshop around the content in the book a a few weeks ago in Arizona, and I'm planning to take that information and put it into like an online intensive where I work with people over a week, going through that four-day process basically, and showing them step-by-step how to how to create content using that method. So I'm very excited about that. It'll be small groups, live, probably using Zoom. And, you know, on video, so we'll be seeing each other. It'll be like a live class, but all virtual. And um, I'm very excited about that. So Master Content Marketing Intensives, that's coming up. That's a lot to be excited for. And we'll, um, if it's okay with you, we'll share a link to the um, the Image Lab 
Oh, yeah. absolutely. I'll send it over. Sure. In the That'd show be notes. great. So um, I said we're going to wrap up, but you see, usually we start the podcast with uh, a little chat between Kate and I, and we ask each other a little question to get to know each other a little better and help our listeners get to know us. But of course, Kate's not here. So I would like to ask you the question I was going to ask Kate, which is, do you oh, prefer sure. things to be neat or messy? Hmm. And, and you'll answer yes, as well, I, I can right? answer first if you like. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll answer, but I want to hear your answer too. So, um, you know, I'm a creative person, so I actually think that messy is necessary. It's like a necessary part of the creative process. Um, and it's something that as creative people or even as people who maybe we don't feel necessarily that creative – we need to accept the messiness and kind of embrace it because it's it's just a stage, you know. The best creative work is, is built on some kind of messiness that has then been polished and neatened up over time. That's kind of the premise of the book that I wrote. It's what we've talked about today. So I... I, it's probably a wishy-washy answer, but I actually believe that both are necessary, messy and then neat. And you have to be just as passionate about each of those stages of the process. That is an awesome answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, is, I want to hear yours now. Very thoughtful. Um, I, I much prefer things neat, um, but I live in mess. So, <laughs> but it kind of drives me a little bit crazy. I absolutely agree that... I mean, we ca I can't spend all my time tidying things up. Otherwise, I would never, ever get anything else done. Um, but for me, you know, I asked you about my your writing process. For me, I need some neatness around me before I can begin to concentrate. So I find a state of messiness is a bit it, – it goes into clutter in my brain. So yes. it's absolutely mm -hmm. essential um, because that is life. But for me, I need to create some neatness for my brain to have a sense of order. And that's probably because I'm a control freak. Okay, so all those, all those times that I sit there and organize my desk instead of diving into a project, that's actually doing something for yeah, me? Okay, I'm good. Sorry. It's called procrastinating <laughs> and it's absolutely a valid it. way to spend time. <laughs> Perfect. What I usually do is I just push things into another room. So this space is nice and clean and I can write. Right, right. Just don't open the door. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Exactly right. Or go into the kitchen for the love of God. Do not mm -hmm. go into the kitchen. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you for sharing that. I think your answer really trumped mine, but um, I appreciate you indulging me in that silliness as we end the podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a lot of fun. Um, now it's time to say goodbye. Regular listeners will know that we read out a review of the show. And today I'm giving a shout out to Aussie Rachel. And Aussie Rachel says, episode 50 was great. Could not have been better time for me. It's easy to get overwhelmed by the possibilities and meaning of branding. But this pod made me feel calm and focused on branding rather than gimmicks. A helpful listen for all creative freelancers, not just copywriters. And of course, thanks to you for listening. If you like the show, don't forget to leave us a rating and review on iTunes and or Stitcher or wherever you listen to your pod. Your review makes us feel awesome. We read it out on the show, but it also helps other people find us. If you've got any comments on um, my chat with Pamela Wilson, head to hotcopypodcast.com and leave your thoughts um, on the blog post for this episode. So let us know, are you neat or messy on Twitter or Facebook? And as we say goodbye, thank you so much, Pamela. This was a really great chat. 
Thank you. I'm so happy we had a chance to connect finally. Finally. (laughs) So until next time, everyone, happy writing. Hey there, it's Belinda again. Now, Kate's not here, so I wanted to take this opportunity to talk about two massive projects that she has um, that I think you're going to be really excited about. So, Kate's sell-out recipe for SEO success course is opening on the 11th of October, 2017. Now, if you're in the least bit interested in uh, getting in on this and I think the last one sold out in just 24 hours head to the recipe for seosuccess.com and get yourself on the wait list now the other one is the very popular copywriting conference copycon it was a huge event last year and Kate's getting up to run it again this year where it's going to be even better so the date has been set at May the 5th of May 2018 and you can find out more about the copywriting conference on the clever copywriting school website clevercopywritingschool.com so two big things that are happening that you absolutely must check out